The following podcast has been paid for by the Drew World Order. Yo, hey, you're listening to the Drew World Order of Wrestling Podcasts. This week, as always, we are going to talk about Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW Dynamite. I'll give my thoughts on uh, what I liked during the shows, what I didn't really like during the shows. I'm also going to preview Money in the Bank, which is the WWE pay-per-view coming up uh, next week uh, on uh, Sunday, May 10th. But first, let's get to the Drews and Notes section. I'm afraid I've got some bad news. The Drews and Notes section talks about the important news of the week in wrestling. Really, the only uh, large bit of information that came out this week were more releases from WWE. Um, who knows how much backstage talent was released? Probably a good amount, I'm assuming. Um, but the big names that came out of this week's releases were Curtis Axel and Kane Velasquez. Curtis Axel, um, who is uh, Mr. Perfect's son, uh, Kurt Hennig's son, uh, Joe Hennig. Um, he's Larry the Axe Hennig's, uh, grandson. Um, he was in, uh, Social Outcast. He was in the Nexus. He started out in the Nexus. Um, he was in the Miz-Tourage. Um, he did the, uh, Axelmania thing for a while until everything happened with Hulk Hogan and the, uh, racial slurs and that kind of ended his momentum there with, uh, with a, with a pretty solid, uh, comedy gimmick. Um, it's pretty unfortunate. He's one of those unutilized talents, um, that, uh, is just, uh, a, a good, uh, he was good comedy character, at least. He was, uh, good in the ring, good, good, uh, sound technician, and, um, Hopefully he goes somewhere that is uh, is going to utilize him properly because he seemed to have a lot more in the tank um, for what he was doing. He was in the B team with uh, Bo Dallas and won the tag team titles with them. But for most of his career, he was in uh, comedic roles and he didn't really get the show uh, much else. Uh, he was with uh, Paul Heyman for a little bit, but that didn't work out. He won the Intercontinental Championship during that time. Um, so he had opportunities. They just didn't really uh, click. You know, he started out Michael McGillicuddy. Terrible name, terrible gimmick in the Nexus. And uh, Nexus was really cool until it ran its course and kind of got uh, cut off at the knees um, at SummerSlam that one year when uh, John Cena and his whole team of superstars beat the, the Nexus. Um and then uh, Axel went off. Uh, he renamed himself Curtis Axel, um, taking from his uh, dad's name, um, Kurt Hennig, and then, of course, uh, Larry the Axe Hennig, his grandfather. And he really didn't do anything super spectacular um, with the... Uh, um, the TV time that he was given, he didn't get a real big investment from uh, WWE. Um, but you can tell there was just a lot there um, with potential. But uh, we'll see where that goes. Um, it's kind of unfortunate, um, but he was probably always going to be one of those guys who was just going to be a uh, comedy spot or just an uh, um, enhancement talent. So it's good that... Um, there's a positive side to this that he can go and show more of his uh, capabilities uh, somewhere else. The other one is Kane Velasquez. He got released quietly. He did not get a um, press release like Curtis Axel did. 
uh, Cain Velasquez, um, if you think about it, is kind of uh, crazy. He probably was brought in for a lot of money coming from the MMA world. He's famous for beating Brock Lesnar. Um, uh, well, almost 10 years ago at this point in the UFC. And he was the big spot on the very first SmackDown on Fox. So um, he came out with, uh, with Rey Mysterio in the main event of essentially the biggest show um, non-pay-per-view-wise that WWE has ever had. Um, so, uh, this is an interesting one. He had his, uh, his match, short match with Brock Lesnar at, uh, Crown Jewel, or maybe Super Showdown. It was in Saudi Arabia. Um, it was like two minutes long. He tapped out to Brock. And then, uh, we haven't seen or heard from him. Um, there were rumblings that he was going to show up in the Royal Rumble and, uh, have a match at WrestleMania with Brock, but that never ended up happening, and I think this is kind of just one of those things where, uh, it was a big contract, and WWE was not using him, uh, at all at this point, and so they got rid of that, uh, financial burden, uh, that they had by, uh, releasing Kane, but, um, he, uh, definitely had, uh, uh, a big, um, big, uh, uh, push coming in, um, going right in, his first and only match is a WWE Championship match, which is, you know, crazy of a, a career highlight. If he doesn't do anything else, that's uh, still pretty good that his one and only match was a was a WWE title match. Um, so he really got a big spot. I'm assuming they probably had pretty big plans for him long-term, but just short-term, uh, no. And probably when things start getting back to uh, normal... And with uh, better uh, financial and economic standing, um, WWE will probably reach back out to Kane Velasquez. He's uh, a, an interesting one to think about as well as the with the coming from MMA. Brock Lesnar was very and is still very successful with WWE coming from MMA. Ronda Rousey main evented WrestleMania, um, had a good year and few month run uh, coming from UFC. Cain Velasquez, not as big as a name, um, but still uh, uh, pretty prominent. Although, I'm going to be honest, when he came out on that first episode of SmackDown on Fox, I thought it was uh, Rey Mysterio's son, Dominic, coming out. I was like, oh, is that what Dominic looks like? And then uh, I believe it was Michael Cole started saying those Cain Velasquez. And I was like, oh, okay, that's who that was. I, I'm not a big UFC fan or MMA fan, so... He didn't really connect too much with me. I didn't really see much um, from him at uh, uh, Super Showdown or Crown Jewel, whatever it was, in Saudi Arabia. And uh, he looked like he really needed a lot of work. But uh, he'll probably be back eventually um, with just the natural storyline with Brock. And coming from MMA and UFC seems uh, custom built for, um, for WWE. Um, and that's about it for the news, uh, from the week. Um, if there's any, uh, news or anything I missed, uh, reach out to me and let me know and I'll, uh, cover it, uh, in the next week. Cause I've, I've done that previously where I've forgotten to talk about something. So I covered the next week, but, uh, it's just another, uh, week where there's, uh, releases. Hopefully there won't be any, uh, releases this week. You never want to see anybody losing their jobs, um, no matter how much money they're making. Um, and speaking of money, let's get into talking about this week in wrestling, shows-wise, with the segment of What Drew Money? segment where I uh, talk about my favorite moments from these shows in this week of wrestling and because I'm going to be talking a lot about 
WWE this week, um, especially with the preview of Money in the Bank coming up. Let's start with AEW Dynamite. I enjoyed the Cody Rhodes Darby Allen finish where uh, Cody Rhodes uh, rolled rolled up and pinned Darby after the coffin drop that uh, Darby hit. Um, these two were good. Um, I believe this was their third match. Um, their first match was really awesome. Um, and then I don't remember the second match. Um, but either way, Cody has won every single one of the matches, which was, you know, pretty predictable. Um, it's clear where AEW is going with, uh, the storyline here with Cody Rhodes versus, uh, Lance Archer. Um, cause Lance also won, uh, on AEW Dynamite. And so it's going to be Cody versus Archer versus, uh, for the TNT championship title. And uh, it's really the Jake the Snake storyline that uh, they've been long-term telling for about two months now, at least. Um, so I enjoyed the end of that match. Um, I also enjoyed that the video segments on AEW weren't just time-filling segments. Um, they actually were building characters. There was the MJF injury promo Um talking about how he cut himself shaving in the previous week he talked about a hangnail so that's pushing his character forward uh, as this like smarmy uh coward um bad guy who just doesn't want to doesn't want to do any work doesn't want to wrestle so he's just making up these excuses there was uh Britt Baker's role model uh part two doctor's uh office video where she had a rebel there but she's calling her reba and she gave the second um second way to be a uh, role model so both of these were uh with the mjf and Britt baker videos they're they're building the characters um both bad guy characters establishing more um more of what the characters are about uh, who they are what their philosophies are, and so these video segments were uh, actually beneficial, um, and you'll see later on in the uh, podcast that I talk about uh, some video segments not being beneficial with uh, WWE. Um, I enjoyed the Bubbly Bunch, uh, another continuation of the story uh, from uh, a couple weeks now, where there was the Manitoba Melee, um, it was just a bunch of celebrities with the inner circle, and uh, they were acting like they were hitting each other. That was really enjoyable, very entertaining, something fresh, something different. And then, of course, there was a video segment of John Moxley saying he's coming to next week's show. Um, so that builds excitement that uh, Mox is coming. He's going to be on AEW Dynamite next week. Um, or I guess this coming week now, and uh, depending on when you're listening to this, and um, it's uh, he was building his character and saying you know he's coming with the title. So all four of these video segments were actually productive. It just didn't seem like they were um, doing video segments to do video segments. Um, Matches-wise, um, other than the Cody Rhodes-Darby Allen finish, I enjoyed uh, the Best Friends versus Jimmy Havoc and Kip Sabian match. It was fun, enjoyable. It was a, a no-disqualification match, um, which I had forgotten about for a second. I was watching, then I was like, they can't use chairs, what are they doing? And then I realized, oh, no, wait, hold on. It was promoted as a no-disqualification match, so they can totally do this. Um, and the way they used the weapons was a nice switch, uh, switch up from what they, uh, what you typically see. They did a sideways chair spot where, um, Jimmy Havoc slammed Chuck, no, where he slammed, uh, Trent onto chairs that were set up sideways on the mat. Um, there was Chuck who got hit off the top rope of the ladder, and, uh, or he got hit off the top rope that he was standing on and he landed 
on uh, a ladder that was set up on the second rope in that same corner. Um, maybe that was Trent. Did, did that happen with Trent? I have it written down as Chuck, but I think that might have happened to Trent. I don't know. Uh, correct me. Uh, send me a, a comment and correct me. Um, and let me know what it specifically was, because I don't remember right now as of when I'm recording this, because that was quite a while ago. Um, but this match really had me uh, invested, especially with some of the unique wrestling or uh, the unique weapon spots that I just mentioned. Had me saying "ouch," and so I was like, "Ooh, that didn't look like that was uh, that was fun. That didn't that definitely looked painful." And anytime you get that sort of investment, uh, is good because typically, you know, I have seen tons of these no disqualification matches. Uh, throughout my time as a wrestling fan, so, you know, a lot of it is very formulaic, and this one wasn't very formulaic, so I enjoyed that it was something new and unique. And finally, I mentioned a little earlier the Lance Archer-Dustin Rhodes match. Uh, I enjoyed that Lance Archer won, continuing the storyline. Pretty obvious that he was going to win, but it was a pretty long match. It was about 20 minutes, which is uh, good for Lance Archer's character. They had, he had just been uh, destroying people in a very short amount of time. So this match showed that Lance Archer can actually wrestle and wrestle for a long time. It established his credibility with the audience. And now we have the Cody Rhodes versus um, Lance Archer TNT Championship match coming up that's been building and building and building and now it means even more um beyond person uh, beyond a personal uh vendetta because it's for a title and a newly established title so i'm definitely looking forward to seeing that cody rhodes versus lance archer match moving on to the wwe side of this week's uh wrestling shows starting with raw I enjoy that Samoa Joe's back on commentary. I think he brings uh, good credibility to the announced team. He's not corny or hokey like Jerry the King Lawler seems. He doesn't seem like he's trying too hard. Sometimes Lawler seems like he's he is trying too hard to be funny, and um, it just is a disconnect for, for me. So Joe, it was good to have him back if he's not going to be wrestling. Um He's super talented in other ways as well, and this is one of the ways, and so he's showing more of that talent. Um, uh, what's drawing money for me is Zelina Vega. I am actually legitimately annoyed by her, uh, which means she's doing a good job. That's what she's supposed to be doing. Like When she shows up, it's like, ugh, I don't want to see this, which uh, she's a bad guy. Um, so she's definitely doing what she is supposed to be doing. Um, and at this point, it's not, for me, it's not, ugh, I'm gonna change the channel, it's, ugh, this is, this girl's annoying, she gets so much attention and time on Raw, and blah, 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 and that's, you know, that's the point of what her character, so she's really doing a good job. Um, I enjoyed, uh, Nia Jack's promo with, uh, her interview with, I believe it was Charlie Caruso backstage, she kept saying nothing, like, you know, what can anybody do about it? Nothing. And then she yelled right at the end. It was, you know, had, it got me, uh, scared me, which is, you know, it's supposed to be scary. So she did a good job there. Seeing a lot of progression from Nia Jax. And I'm not the biggest Nia Jax fan, but this was definitely a good, a good promo. It was nice seeing uh, Jinder Mahal return. Um, just like Nia Jax had returned, uh, uh, what, a month ago. Now Jinder Mahal has returned. Um, he's a typically underutilized talent, uh, so seeing him get some time, um, is, is good. Uh, he's a former WWE champion. He has one of the most shocking, uh, moments in WWE history when he beat Randy Orton for the WWE title. Um, he looked great, um, and, uh, hopefully... Uh, he's moving on from this uh, Zen Shanti meditation character and doing something a little bit more engaging. And uh, I look forward to seeing more of gender because uh, I think he's a very hard worker. Um, and I like to uh, hear his uh, his uh, story of, you know, he uh, was fired and then he came back and became WWE champion. You know, uh, 
he got fit um, after getting motivated. Like you know, when he his first run in WWE, he wasn't motivated, and now he uh, is, and unfortunately suffered an injury. Now that he's back, uh, I hope he has a new sense of motivation, and uh, he uses that to propel him to another um, good run here. Um, and then there was the main event of the show. It was the Seth Rollins-Drew McIntyre contract signing. These are pretty typical. They always end in some sort of uh, brawl happening in physicality. Both Drew and Seth did some good promos here. Drew swore, and uh, that got a good reaction. I mean, it was right around 11 anyway, so that's really no big deal. Plus, on AEW, they've been uh, swearing uh, at least once an episode, um, so that's really not too big of a deal, but it's just cool and interesting, you usually don't hear that on WWE, Kevin Owens, I know, swore, um, a couple weeks ago, or before WrestleMania, but, um, it's just a, a little bit jarring when you hear it on WWE still, um, uh, Murphy came out to aid Seth Rollins, and, uh, he got claymored, um, Seth avoided the Claymore. This is a this was a really good building block to Money in the Bank coming up on this Sunday, and hopefully there's some sort of segment uh, on Raw this week to continue that momentum that Seth and Drew have because I I like this dynamic that Seth's saying like he doesn't want to do it, he has to do it, he has to do this for the good of the business, for the good of WWE, and Drew McIntyre just being like uh, you're full of crap. Uh, no, you just want to do it for yourself. Um, so, uh, Drew and Seth will talk more about when we review, when we preview, I should say, when we preview, uh, Money in the Bank later on in the podcast. But moving on to NXT, uh, once again, there's the masked men showing up trying to attack Phantasma. Uh, this time it was after his match and it was in the NXT Full sale arena, so that was cool. It wasn't just in the parking lot. I'm very intrigued by what's going on with these masked men. I'm not sure uh, what it is, but it's definitely like, huh, what's happening here? Uh, something that I thought was also really, really cool was uh, Johnny Gargano announcing Candice LeRae to the ring. She got new uh, entrance, uh, entrance, uh, what, Titantron and music and gear uh, all made and of course uh, as I mentioned last week with her newly dyed hair and darker makeup and Johnny was just oh he was great uh, in this uh, segment you know uh, just hyping up Candace uh, and really playing that bad guy card very very well um more uh more talking uh that I liked was Dominic Dijakovic uh or Dijakovic I don't know Dominic, uh, <laughs> Dijakovic, Dijakovic, uh, I don't know how to say it, but, uh, he, uh, has been getting more speaking time recently. He had a short video promo, but, uh, he delivered a message well, and, uh, it's clear that he is developing these skills, and, uh, uh, hopefully, hopefully we'll, uh, get more time on the mic to develop his character, because that's really where a lot of, uh, a lot of character development happens are through videos and promos and in-ring segments, um, backstage segments, not just wrestling. Um, so uh, that's uh, that's something to look forward to with Dijakovic. Uh, Dijakovic? Uh, there's no H on the end, so I guess it's Dijakovic. Uh, Dijak. Dominic Dijak is what I'm <laughs> going to call him. Uh, Dom Dijak. Uh, he'll, he'll, uh, he'll, he'll continue to, uh, uh, entertain me for quite a while. I wasn't really sold on him at first, but he's really definitely stepping it up. I really enjoyed the Newly Bro show. It was funny and entertaining. Something different, uh, than what is usually on NXT. NXT usually does not have a lot of comedy. Um, it's more of just a pure wrestling show. Um... Whereas uh, the other WWE shows like Raw and SmackDown are more of a variety show. Um, but uh, this was a good use of time if, uh, for building uh, Timothy Thatcher and uh, um, 
Matt Riddle as a team because they haven't been together long and making this transition uh, from Pete Dunn to Timothy Thatcher as uh, the tag team uh, champion and partner of Matt Riddle. It's a good way to uh, build what this team is. You know, Matt Riddle is just like quirky, kooky, funny guy, and Timothy Thatcher is just... You know, this uh, uh, serious, no-nonsense type of character. They're a, they're a nice uh, blend of an odd couple. Um, and then at the end of that segment, uh, Imperium attacked. And this is a, a good start to the story with Imperium between uh, Thatcher, uh, Riddle, the, the NXT Tag Team Champions, and Imperium. Um, so it's good use of time. And uh, it was very enjoyable. Um, something I really liked on NXT was Charlotte Flair only showing up on NXT. She had a match with Mia Yim. Uh, Mia caught herself on the ropes like Andrade does, which um, um, a lot of wrestling fans like myself know that Andrade and Flair are engaged. So that was a cool little... Um, nod, uh, wink at the camera to, uh, real life, to, to Flair's personal life, and, uh, that was a good match overall, um, Yim is good, and, uh, Charlotte's, of course, you know, great in the ring, Charlotte won, but then, uh, Io Shirai came out, and, uh, set up the match next week with Charlotte for the NXT Women's Championship match, Io's promo was good, it was short, Sweet, but to the point, and I'm um, looking forward to seeing that uh, Io Shirai and Charlotte Flair NXT Women's Championship match next week. Um, and speaking of next week, there was the uh, Killian Cross, I believe is what they call are calling him, Killer Cross and Scarlett Bordeaux, uh, Bordeaux um, video promo saying that they are going to be on the next week's NXT, and I am excited to see that. I caught a little bit of them when they're in uh, Impact Wrestling, but then uh, I stopped getting that channel that, that, that Impact was on, so I haven't seen a lot of them, and I'm looking forward to seeing uh, how they've both developed as uh, characters and wrestlers. And then, of course, the biggest thing for WWE this week that I enjoyed was Drake Maverick winning. Uh, WWE is doing a great job of creating interest and drama with Drake Maverick for his final match. Um, he lost his first match in the Cruiserweight tournament. He's won the second match. So now uh, they've done a good job of booking of this. He'll probably lose next week or whenever his next match is because his, uh, his contract's up. They released him a couple weeks ago. Um, but they're at least doing a good job of storytelling. Because um, if he had just lost this match, then it would just been like, uh, what a lousy waste of TV time that they could have made for uh, investment uh, and to get people to watch. And So they're doing a good job of getting people invested in watching this one. I certainly am, am invested in uh, watching this Drake Maverick... Uh, who is it? Drake Maverick and uh, Kushida match. Um, which will probably be Drake Maverick's uh, final match in WWE for this run. Um, so let's move on to SmackDown. Daniel Bryan started off the show. He did a great promo. Um, Brian, Bryan is really great. Um, he's known a lot for his wrestling and in-ring ability, but he's really great on the mic, too. Baron Corbin came out. There was a lot of realism in this segment uh, using past examples um, of how Baron uh, ruined his uh, his money in the bank run, how Daniel Bryan uh, took full advantage of his, and the passion, especially from Daniel Bryan, was very good. And Baron's, Baron's a great character. I really like Baron. Uh, he's a great bad guy. I've liked Corbin from his days in NXT when he was the lone wolf and um, they were just both really, really solid. Um, even more mic work that I enjoyed was Sonya Deville coming out and, uh, distracting Mandy in, uh, her match with Carmella, and, uh, Sonya ends up, uh, costing Mandy the match, 
this is continuing to build the Sonya Deville, uh, Mandy Rose storyline, and Sonya has been awesome the past few weeks, um, with what she's doing and building her character, um, and also another woman who's been doing awesome is Tamina. Tamina had a short interview promo with, um... Charlie Caruso, it might have been Kayla Braxton. Kayla's usually on SmackDown, but I don't remember specifically. But Tamina had a short promo. She doesn't get a lot of mic time, but uh, she's been making the most of the time she is getting on the mic um, and getting to to speak. Um, and then uh, Sasha Banks interrupted her, and Bailey tried to attack, but Tamina um, beat both of them down. Um, and then the promo with Dolph Ziggler... And Sonya Deville was uh, really, really great. Uh, it was uh, Dolph did a great job um, being passionate in this one. You know, saying this is his opportunity, and he's gonna uh, show Otis, uh, you know, uh, what a real man is, and uh, he's going to win this match, and he's going to win Money in the Bank uh, contract, and he's going to cash in like he's done it before. Um, And it was predictable that uh, Dolph was not going to win, but it was a good, solid promo overall. Dolph's great on the mic. Um, He's great in the ring. Dolph's just great in general. And attaching him with Sonya to help uh, uh, build Sonya's character, I think, is a Really good idea, really good um, combination that WWE is trying to pull off. Um, So that's all the good stuff. Let's move on to some of the stuff that wasn't so good in the Drew count. Has he got the fingers locked? No, he got out! I can't believe it! Nobody's ever kicked out of that! The Drew count are moments from this past week in wrestling. That I that were a little off. I didn't necessarily like them, or they didn't feel complete to me. Um, so once again, starting with AEW Dynamite, there wasn't too much that I didn't like on Dynamite, but uh, I really don't enjoy um, the kicking out of finishers when it's not on pay per view. Um, Darby kicked out of the Crossroads. Um, the Crossroads has been kicked out of a couple of times uh, recently on AEW Dynamite, and, uh, you know, this doesn't do anything for protecting the move or making the move look like it's devastating when uh, guys are kicking out of it. Um, And along with the Cody Rhodes and Darby Allin uh, match, I didn't necessarily enjoy the psychology of that match. Darby Allin worked on the leg of Cody Rhodes, but this really had no connection to the finish. Um... Cody just rolled up Darby after Darby hit him with a uh, coffin drop. There's nothing about Cody's leg or anything like that. Uh, so uh, it was a good start to use the uh, to use the leg and work the leg uh, of Cody Rhodes by Darby Allen during the match, but um, it didn't. Uh, they didn't complete the job. There was no really connection to the end of the match didn't really seem to have any effect on the end of the match and so that was a little bit off to me and then of course there's Taz they're doing this is the only video segment in AEW Dynamite that uh has not been good uh where Taz is breaking down moves still don't care uh he's breaking down the devastation of these moves and it's like dude this is pro wrestling <laughs> we know the moves are supposed to look devastating, but not actually hurt the opponent in real life. So, like, we don't need this UFC-like breaking down of real move or of the moves because this isn't real fighting. It's choreographed. You know, it's scripted. It's yeah. uh, not that these moves don't hurt, but they're only supposed to look like they're inflicting pain, not actually inflict pain so to break it down like they are actually inflicting pain it's just a disconnect to me it doesn't make too much sense moving on to raw there was a lot on raw that just seemed to be filler um 
there were more Triple H uh, 25th anniversary moments. They did the top 10 moments. Not sure where that's going. Was there any point to it? Was it just there to fill time? Um, don't know. Uh, the um, Nia Jax, Asuka, and Shayna Baszler segment, to me, was too short. They didn't even end up having a match. They were supposed to have a triple threat match. I wanted more of this, and it didn't seem like there's enough. It just, like, ended abruptly. Um, at least that's what it felt like to me. Um, and so it was just like, okay, we wasted a lot of time on this show, um, or we used a lot of time on this show for things that didn't need that much time, which I'll get into, um, and we didn't give a lot of time to this Nia Jax, Asuka, Shayna Baszler segment, which, I don't know, might have been five minutes tops, and they could have definitely used a lot more time, um, than giving it to other parts of the show. Um, there was the Liv Morgan-Ruby Riot match, which was a rematch from last week, and it was basically the same exact match. Um, pretty worthless use of TV time. I'm not a fan of rematches, especially when it's really the same exact outcome. Um, and then Liv did this weird promo after, like... Maybe she forgot her lines or what she was supposed to say. Like, she's saying, like, she doesn't know who she is, but she's going to find herself. Like, to me, I don't know. That's a little off because as a, a wrestling fan, wrestlers are supposed to exude confidence that they're the best. And for her to be like, I don't know who I am. It's just like, uh, okay. Well, you might want to figure that one out. Um... Speaking of, uh, of, of, uh, some, uh, of, uh, wasting some, uh, talent and time here, um, and, uh, not knowing, uh, w uh, and having credibility hurt, um, Akira Tozawa getting completely decimated by Jinder Mahal. So I mentioned that I liked Jinder returning, but I didn't like that it was Tozawa as his opponent. Tozawa is in the cruiserweight tournament, um, and he's been, uh, he's had a couple of good matches and a couple of good promos recently, but I think this, this just hurts the credibility of him, it hurts the credibility of the cruiserweight tournament, it hurts the credibility of the cruiserweights, um, just overall, it doesn't make much sense to me, why would you have a guy get decimated who you're trying to make look credible on another show for an for a title which you which you claim is important and it's it's uh you know just mixed message they couldn't have had somebody else do that uh maybe they didn't want to call in somebody else with uh, uh what's going on in the world which is understandable but I don't know you're trying to build Tozawa on one show but then he's like enhancement talent on another show eh, just uh doesn't make too much sense to me and then my biggest issue with Raw really my biggest issue with the whole week in wrestling was Apollo Crews and Andrade having way too much screen time they were both on screen for probably about an hour in total Without a well-built feud whatsoever. There was 50-50 booking because there was the six-man tag match that both of these guys were a part of on uh, in the first uh, 45 minutes of Raw where Apollo pinned Andrade in the tag match. And then they uh, got into a little uh, argument uh, in a backstage promo and then... Andrade uh, put his U.S. title on the line against Apollo later on in the night, and the match didn't have a clean conclusion. Um, so Apollo, uh, he couldn't continue due to, to the pain in his knees. So now this is an example of what AEW could have done um, with Kobe, Cody and Darby Allin's, uh working the leg psychology. This WWE did a good job here with uh, they worked Apollo's leg and then uh, he Apollo couldn't continue but 
it's just like this is this was such a weak finish. Um, so it's a kind of interesting. This Apollo and Andrade match was the the opposite of the Cody and Darby match, where the psychology was good, but then the finish was terrible. Um, and in the Cody and Darby match, the psychology made sense, but didn't have any connection to the match. So like, doesn't make much sense in general. Um, so there was this weak finish for this Apollo Cruz Andrade uh, match, which for the time commitment given to them of about an hour, if not more, was just crappy. And then there was Apollo had an interview with Charlie later, but he didn't say anything. Just like, why are we giving so much time to these two guys specifically when there is zero feud going on? It's not like they've had this uh, rivalry going on for months. And so they're going to be on TV fighting each other for an hour. They haven't been in a storyline with each other at all. It just seems like uh, WWE couldn't fly in enough talent, and so they put these guys on for <laughs> over an hour and just, come on, you know, it's uh, too much time. They could have given some of this time to the Nia Jax, Asuka, and Shayna Baszler segment and allowed those women to have a match. Um, and a good match, probably, with the talent in that uh, triple threat. But I don't know. It was just a really, really disappointing way for uh, for Raw to go. Because I, I, I caught myself... By the time the, the U.S. title match started, I was just like, really? We're going to see these guys again? And uh, that's never uh, a good sign uh, in any sort of television show. Um, moving on to NXT, I mentioned the Mia Yim and Charlotte Flair match that, uh, I enjoyed, um, but there was a spot in the match that I really didn't like, and this is just in general, it's not with these women, it's not with, uh, the match, it's the tarantula move in the ropes, I know Tajiri did it, but it's like, I don't get it, I think it's stupid, you can only do the move for four seconds before breaking, uh, and getting disqualified, uh, which doesn't seem long enough to really do any damage. It's just unrealistic. It does not suspend realism. It makes you more aware of it instead, where you just think of like, oh, well, why would you do this? Uh, like exactly like I said, um, you can only do it for four seconds and then break. Well, that's not enough time to do any damage. That's, you know, that's unrealistic. Um, and then the, uh, the Mia Yim, uh, Charlotte Flair match, uh, the finish was, looked a bit choppy. Like, the last couple moves didn't seem to flow well together while the rest of the match did. So that was just, like, a, a little nitpicky thing. It uh, was a little weird. But my main concern with NXT is, uh, Keith Lee. I'm starting to lose interest in Keith Lee. Now, I've never been a big fan of Keith Lee. He is, uh, Definitely super talented, very athletic, especially for the size of the uh, wrestler that he is. But uh, he had a lot of momentum behind him coming from uh, Survivor Series, even into the Royal Rumble for those few months. And then after, he's just kind of been plodding along with the same couple of guys with uh, uh, Dime, Dom Dijak and, uh, and Damian Priest uh, defending the, the North American title. And, uh, you know, just kind of doing the same promos, being uh, confident Keith Lee, and uh, it's just, uh, I'm starting to lose interest. It doesn't seem like there's much evolution going on with him right now, and uh, so that's definitely not a good sign. Um, something uh, that I didn't enjoy on SmackDown was the Carmella and uh, Mandy Rose match where it's both good guys in the match. Uh, it's just weird. Like, if it's a bad guy versus bad guy, uh, or in this case, a good guy versus good guy match, just a weird scenario. Um, who are you supposed to root for? Are you Are you trying to split the crowd? Uh, what What's the objective of this match? Um... Obviously, the objective of this match was to uh, continue the storyline with Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. Uh, it was nice to see Carmella get the win. 
and be put in the Women's Money in the Bank ladder match. But uh, unfortunately, uh, because she didn't get the spotlight in this match, I don't think she's going to be getting the spotlight uh, in the Money in the Bank match. But yeah, you never know. Sometimes with WWE, that's what they do. They they are they pick somebody to win the briefcase to give them a little bit more momentum. Um, and then speaking of momentum, there was uh, the Dolph Ziggler. Otis storyline that's still going on, which is in connection to the Mandy Rose uh, um, story. And uh, there was a weird continuity issue. Um, Dolph, in his promo with Sonya Deville, had a different hairstyle than in the match that happened right after that, after a commercial break. Um, His hair was down in the promo, and then... Uh, when he came out during his entrance, his uh, hair was up, and it was clearly done. Um, and I don't think they probably could have done that in, like, the span of a three-minute cur- commercial break. Uh, so a weird continuity issue that I noticed. Uh, I don't know if a lot of people noticed that, but uh, just thought it was a little off. And then, of course, Dolph losing. I mean, at this point, we're all used to Dolph Ziggler losing matches. That's pretty much all he does. But, you know, it hurts his credibility, and... Uh, Otis really annoys me, like not in a good way, not uh, because he's a good guy. Like Zelina Vega annoys me legitimately, but she's a bad guy, so she's supposed to annoy me. Otis, he's supposed to be a good guy. He's supposed to be likable, but he's just not. I just don't connect with Otis. Uh, I don't really think he's all that funny with his like grunting and uh, gyrating and dancing and it's just, uh, not, uh, his, he, I just, uh, he's got great charisma, but he just doesn't, uh, connect well with me. Um, so that, uh, that is, uh, something to be concerned of. Uh, I wonder if anybody else is getting annoyed by Otis. If you are, please let me know in some form or fashion, but that's going to be, uh, it for the Drew Count segment. And we will move on to the re- the Redrew segment of the podcast. The Redrew segment is my overall impression and ratings of the shows from this week in wrestling, but of course, if you've been listening uh, to my previous episodes, I don't do a star rating, I don't do a number grading, I don't do a uh, letter grade system, I do my own kind of system. And so, let's start with uh, AEW Dynamite. Um, it was a pretty good show overall, only a couple of hiccups, really only uh, the Cody Darby Allen uh, match had some hiccups in the... Uh, um, the video promos were all good except for the Taz one. Um, so I am rating AEW as a restart. AEW, the Dynamite, is getting back on track after a couple of stumbles the last couple of weeks where I was losing interest. I was more invested and interested this week. So it is good. Uh, it was a good restart for AEW. Hopefully they continue to build momentum, which they probably will be because they have a double or nothing coming up on May 23rd. So they have a few more weeks to continue this momentum and build and build and build to double or nothing. Um, speaking of uh, pay-per-views, WWE has a pay-per-view money in the bank coming up and uh, they were billing to that with Raw. And uh, so for uh, Raw's overall rating, I'm giving them the rating of a clown car. It seemed to just be filled to be filled. Really not a lot of purpose behind it. Felt like lots and lots and lots of filler. Apollo Andrade had a lot of screen time, about an hour if not over it. The Liv and Ruby rematch for like no reason. The Triple H videos for like no reason. The Seth and Drew McIntyre videos. Um, Like recapping. I, I don't really like recap videos that much. Um, they were, the, their segment was great, but the recap videos, eh. And then there was the Becky Lynch WWE 24 video. Um, so it was clear WWE was just, um, doing segments to fill time on Raw. And, uh, that's never a good, uh, never a good idea, never a good sign. 
uh, of any sort of uh, uh, entertainment field. Moving on to NXT. Uh, I'm giving NXT the rating of a bag of apples. It was a mostly good show. Um, but every once in a while you get a lousy moment, a lousy one, a lousy apple, a bad apple. Um, and, you know, that happens. So uh, uh, the most of the show, it was good. It was uh, intriguing. But uh, every once in a while there's a, something that was just a little bit off. Um, and, uh, along the same sentiments, uh, my rating for SmackDown this week was, uh, a road trip. There were a couple of annoying road bumps, you know, continuity errors, and, uh, just, uh, Otis, a good guy character, being annoying, which is not what he's supposed to do, uh, so that's, like, a couple of road bumps, but it's a good drive overall and a good experience overall, um, so those are my overall impressions of the shows this week. Uh, reach out to me and let me know. I'll put my plugs in at the end of the show. And uh, tell me what uh, your thoughts were on this week's uh, 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 storylines and shows of uh, AEW and WWE. But for now, let's go and preview Money in the Bank. The What You Gonna Drew Brother segment is uh, a prediction segment, a preview segment of uh, storylines. And um, since we have a pay-per-view coming up, Money in the Bank, which is happening this uh, coming Sunday on uh, the 10th, uh, we are going to preview that pay-per-view. So let's start with the Fatal 4-Way Tag Team Championship match for uh, SmackDown, which is the New Day who are the champions versus Miz and Morrison versus the Forgotten Sons versus the Lucha House Party. Um, I don't really have too much to say about this match. Um, WWE's definitely trying to build the Forgotten Sons. Never really big a, been a big fan of the, of the uh, Steve Cutler, Jackson Riker, Wesley Blake uh, combination. Uh, Lucha House Party, I doubt they will win. Um, with Grand Metalik and Lince Dorado. I think they're probably just kind of in there, although they have been getting a little bit more screen time than they uh, have been. I really think this match is going to come down to Miz and Morrison versus uh, Big E and Kofi. Um, I'm not really sure how uh, this match is going to unfold. Um, for me, it wouldn't make sense to have the New Day lose. And to just give the title right back to Miz and Morrison. Um, because then it would just be New Day winning the tag team titles. Just to win the tag team titles. And to uh, build up their uh, event. Or uh, to build up their number of tag team title wins. Which is at 8 at this point. So um, I'm expecting a New Day win. But I would really like to see uh, Miz and Morrison actually win the match. Forgotten Sons, I don't think they're quite there yet. Lucha House Party, they would be a big surprise, um, but I don't think that they are going to win. Uh, the rest of the matches, actually all of these matches have uh, at least some good implications. They're, they're all championship matches, and then there's the Money in the Bank matches that have been announced. No uh, other matches, which is uh, kind of the way I like it. Um, but anyway, the... Uh, Bailey versus Tamina match for the uh, women's SmackDown, ta uh, not tag team for the women's SmackDown championship. This is pretty clear. Bailey's gonna win. I don't uh, foresee anything else. Maybe some Sasha Banks interference. Although I'd really enjoy seeing Tamina win. Uh, I just don't think uh, uh, WWE has the investment in her that they do in Bailey and in Sasha Banks. So I think this one's pretty clear-cut. Um, not super looking forward to this match. Maybe Lacey Evans will get involved. Um, but that's really the only match. Uh, that one and the, the tag title match that I just talked about, I don't really have much interest in. But the next match, the Drew McIntyre and Seth Rollins match for the WWE Championship match, I do have uh, interest in. And that's really because of the work that... Uh, McIntyre and Rollins have done with their 
their promos and then the contracts uh, signing this week. The, they really sold me this week with the contract signing, and I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully, uh, I'd like to see Drew retain. Um, but I like Rollins, too. I like this Messiah character. Um, and if he doesn't win, it'll be uh, intriguing to see where they go with Rollins. Like, he doesn't win, uh, but I guess he doesn't need to win. Um, but McIntyre holding on to the title for quite some time, I think, is the way that uh, WWE should be going to show he's a credible competitor, credible champion, and... Uh, let the uh, let him uh, make the title mean a, something a little bit more special because we've just seen on Brock Lesnar for a very long time and uh, Drew being visible with the title, um, I think will help build its credibility. Speaking of building credibility, Braun Strowman, the Universal Champion, is facing Bray Wyatt. This is an interesting one. This is the same dilemma that there was in uh, what November. Uh, in Saudi Arabia when it was Bray Wyatt versus Seth Rollins of, you know, do you really want to have uh, The Fiend lose? Um, but is it The Fiend? Maybe it's just normal Bray Wyatt. If it's just Firefly Funhouse, Bray Wyatt, have Braun win. You can kind of continue, you can continue on with this storyline and uh, have Braun build more credibility as the Universal Champion. Um... This week on SmackDown, it was interesting, when Braun came out, I was thinking, like, huh, I still can't believe he's the uh, Universal Champion. Like, it doesn't uh, click to me just yet. Like, oh, yeah, he's a he's a credible champion. Of course, he's huge. Um, like, McIntyre, he deserves it. Uh, I think Strowman deserves to be the champion as well. It's just uh, not as credible as Drew McIntyre. Um because I think it's just more of the size thing. We know WWE likes uh, bigger guys to uh, hold titles. Um, and it's taken Strowman quite a long time to get a singles title. He just got one with the Intercontinental Championship early in um, in uh, January, I believe. Early at the beginning of the year. So he hasn't really been built as a champion yet. I think uh, him winning would probably be the best. Bray Wyatt doesn't need a championship. Uh, he's a character that's uh, so good that uh, people are going to like him regardless and I think uh, you're in kind of a, a lose-lose situation here. If excuse me, if Bray wins then it's oh, Strowman was kind of just a placeholder for the title and uh, you know, really doesn't have credibility as a champion just yet because when he defends it he loses it. Or Strowman wins, and it's, oh, well, now, you know, they're burying Bray Wyatt, and Bray can't get a win, and, you know, he lost to Goldberg, and now he's losing to Braun Strowman, and blah, 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 all that. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see how that championship match looks. And then there's the two Money in the Bank ladder matches. But uh, as they announced on SmackDown, which I thought was very interesting, is they are holding both... The men's and women's Money in the Bank ladder match uh, at the same exact time. Um, so this is the match that is going to be uh, at WWE headquarters, start on the ground floor, and go up to the roof of the uh, Titan Towers. And uh, there's a the ring there, and the uh, winner is going to need to secure the briefcase and so they have both the women's and the men's briefcases hanging uh, on a structure above the ring. And both these matches are going to be happening at the same time. I think this is going to be wild. This is going to be so interesting. Um, so all the competitors in this match, I'll just list out. Because it, it's, I mean, it's listed as two matches, but it's technically just one match. So, like, what if a man grabs the women's briefcase? Or is there a women's briefcase? Is there a men's briefcase? Are they both just briefcases that are up there for two people to grab? Uh, what are the rules? Can only one man and one woman or one woman win? What if two women grab the briefcase? Like, what if uh, uh, Carmella grabs a briefcase and then Lacey Evans grabs a briefcase? Are they both money in the bank uh, holders? Um, and then there's no men who are Money in the Bank holders for this uh, this year. It's definitely interesting. A lot of questions, but uh, I'm sure it'll be cinematically uh, done, which I really enjoyed the last uh, 
couple on WrestleMania, and I enjoyed the Champa and uh, Gargano match that was cinematically shot. So everybody in this match is Asuka, Shayna Baszler, Nia Jax, Dana Brooke, Lacey Evans, Carmella, Daniel Bryan, Rey Mysterio, Aleister Black, uh, Baron Corbin, Otis, and then uh, to be determined, it was Apollo, but he, uh, as of right now, the recording of this podcast, he was taken out of the match. Um, and there's going to be a last chance battle royal uh, gauntlet gauntlet match maybe on Raw uh, this week to determine who that last participant will be. And this is always uh, interesting because uh, maybe this last participant is going to be somebody that doesn't matter or maybe it's going to be the eventual winner. Uh, there's a lot going on in this match. I'm definitely looking forward to this one. Uh, Money in the Bank is probably my second favorite pay-per-view of the year, um, behind Royal Rumble. I mean, WrestleMania is always awesome, and SummerSlam is always awesome, but, uh, for, uh, a, uh, pay-per-view is not one of the big four, uh, this is always my most exciting, uh, pay-per-view that, uh, that I'm interested in and want to watch. Uh, with the Money in the Bank uh, contract matches, it's always very cool because it's uh, something that is fresh. It can be used to build a character. And it'll be interesting uh, to show the way that the WWE goes about it. Now, usually, bad guys are better with a briefcase. And the only bad guy in the men's section is Baron Corbin. Um, and he's already won the briefcase. So... Maybe this week on Raw, Bad Guy will win, and that will be the uh, eventual winner. Um, Daniel Bryan's already won, although it would be cool to see him win. I I don't see, I don't think he'll win. Ray, it would be cool to see him win as well, but I think he's such a legend that he doesn't need to win. Aleister Black, uh, this is a typical match that Aleister Black probably would win uh, to you know, give an extra boost to a character they're already really building with momentum behind him. Otis, I think it's too early, um, to, to give him anything super substantial. Um, Asuka would be really cool to see with the women's Money in the Bank briefcase. Shayna would be cool to see with the Money in the Bank briefcase. Nia Jax would be cool to see with the uh, Money in the Bank briefcase because, you know, Asuka and Shayna are, are killers, basically. Nia Jax is a killer, you know, because of her sheer size. Dana Brooke, uh, she would be a good surprise uh, to see um, her win it, just, uh, you know, just for that fact. Lacey, I think, has a good shot at winning this one um, uh, just because they've been building her with a lot of momentum and, uh, you know, they got to do something with her eventually. And Carmella, Carmella, I think, unfortunately, is just in this match to be in the match. Uh, she's the first Money in the Bank's uh, women's women's Money in the Bank uh, ladder match winner, but uh, I don't think she's going to be winning it again. And this has just got a cool um, scenario all around it. It's uh, really, really interesting. Um, I wonder this week if uh, WWE is going to give more uh, background about what the rules are for this match uh, and what's going to happen. And I'm excited to see um, how this unfolds. Like I said, can two men win both briefcases? Can two women win both briefcases? Um, what are the rules? Is you know the men's match over once a man grabs a briefcase? Um, I, I, don't, I don't know. It'll be very, very intriguing. Um, let me know, uh, what your thoughts are on, uh, Money in the Bank coming up this Sunday, uh, what you hope happens, what you think's gonna happen, um, if you wanna reach out, uh, on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, I'm at DWOPod, if you wanna send an email, I am, uh, DWPod, at gmail.com. You can find the podcast on all podcast platforms. Um, you just have to search Drew, uh, Drew World Order Podcast. Um, send along your thoughts. You know, Give a like, a follow, subscribe to the show, uh, share the 
share a, a post of the show, share the show, uh, give a retweet, send a comment, send a review in to um, uh, 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 Apple Podcasts, um, send me an email. Um, if you want to further support the podcast, you can go to SoundCloud or uh, the podcast's uh, anchor pages, and you can click the support link and uh, uh, send in uh, some extra support there. And any sort of uh, um, donation that you make there would be much appreciated. So as you know that uh, uh, right now I'm unemployed, so this is the only thing I got going. So hopefully, if you do support the uh, podcast, that supports me a little bit more, but I'll be using that donation to uh, push the podcast further. I'll, I'll donate, I'll uh, use those proceeds to put everything uh, back into the podcast so I can do uh, more, um, to spread the, the podcast a little bit more, to promote the podcast a little bit more um, on the social media accounts and to hopefully grow the grow the show, grow the audience, and grow this community so that... Uh, Everybody can have this uh, cool forum to uh, discuss wrestling, um, something that I am super passionate about. Um, so I hope you uh, enjoyed uh, your week. Hopefully you are staying safe. You're taking care of yourself. Um, you're uh, doing everything that you need to do uh, to uh, help flatten this curve during this uh, global pandemic. And uh, uh, this was a great uh, little distraction for me. Um, and hopefully it was the same sort of distraction for you. Uh, thank you for listening. And I hope your listening experience was Drew Sweet. <laughs>